Just over 20 minutes of the second half play. Whipped in by Downing. It's Reed. The second attempt. Winston Reed puts West Ham in front. Their first away goal of the season. And what a crucial goal it could prove to be. Original attempt was deflected away by his own teammates. But West Ham don't care. They have the advantage. Mobile tidying up. Here's Vaste. Onside. In behind Dawson. Good save by Lloris. But the ricochet has gone in. Ricardo Vaste surely has wrapped this up now for West Ham. You could argue it's West Ham's lucky break. But they've doubled their lead. Out by Reed, scorer of West Ham's first goal. Madison. It's away from Patongan. And they have that third goal. Ravel Morrison has made it three. Can't quite believe it, but he knows now. What a second half. And what a flurry of activity with West Ham scoring three goals in quick succession. Hello and welcome to a celebratory episode of the Leeds of the Brown West Ham podcast. The energy's good in here. Yes! Well, let's just, let's just say it again. Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> nil, West Ham United three. 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 T-H-R-E-E <laughs> We think Three um, Joining us this week On the Knees Up by the Brown West Ham podcast For episode 7 We've got James Longman In the studio um, We've also got in the studio The managing director Of Wimbledon Studios And lifelong West Ham fan Piers Reid Hello, Hello boys. Piers How Hello boys. Welcome to your Good debut you. Thanks so much Thank you so much But we've always guessed This show is so jam packed Jam packed <laughs> It's, it's a, a feast. Ce- it's a feast. It's a celebration. I hope you're hungry. Feast. It's a feast. <laughs> um, so coming up on today's show, we've got um, press and media manager for West Ham United, a proper insider, Paul Stringer, will be joining us on the phone. Uh, but not only that, uh, a part of the team that is being lauded as tactical geniuses, we're going to have the assistant manager of West Ham United, Neil McDonald, will be joining us on the phone. Maca. Neil Mack. Macca will be joining us uh, and throughout the show we're going to be talking about a little result that happened at the weekend I don't know if anyone saw it uh, Tottenham Hotspur Neil West Ham 3 can't stop watching it I think we'll probably can't talk about that it. I mean there's so much to talk about on that Aladicio uh, Ravel Morrison um, the fans uh, and then we'll end on Harry Redknapp because that serialisation looks quite funny It's because mm. we're topical yeah topical yeah I've got our fingers on the pulse of popular culture here <laughs> on the Knees of Other Brown West Ham podcast um, so let's let's just talk about uh, that result of the weekend Tottenham Hotspur nil what a difference West Ham United 3 I mean for me, for me the amazing thing about it was at half time we were there and we, we thought it had nil-nil written all over it and we would have been happy with a nil-nil and for it to have suddenly exploded the way it did was, mm. was I suppose, credit to, to the way that the team lined up. But uh, perhaps it's the fans' ignorance. A lot of supporters around me, I was getting a little bit annoyed, actually, that they were criticising not having a, a Ford man up there. And obviously, that was the master plan. And it came good. And, and I mean, to go 3-0 up in the end was just out of this world. I yeah. Mean, the celebrations... <laughs> I mean, Longman almost pushed me down the, uh, <laughs> the stairs you were talking about earlier. Down the, down the perilous stairs. <laughs> Quite remarkable. But I think, for me, the most impressive part, uh, you know, other than the goals, was just how good the bat four were. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to sound like Big Sam himself, but I don't think anyone so far said how great Guy Demel was. I mean, throughout the mm. game, even in the first half, I thought he was he was 
just fantastic. His distribution, his defensive abilities, the way he supported the attack. I mean, I, I think he seems to be getting better and better personally. Yeah, Demille. It's a force yeah. of nature. I also think that uh, Rat deserves a mention. Mm. I thought. We, I mean, you know what? They were all excellent back there. Uh, and Reed and Tompkins were just oh. superb. But Rat uh, and Demille were excellent. And, you know, it, it was a joy to see them chasing down the wings. At one yeah. stage, oh. Rat was like the furthest man forward. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I love seeing that. I love seeing it. Yeah. So, um, obviously, you two were there. I turned down a ticket because I was at a wedding on the day before and I thought, I don't want to get up early to drive back. That was a great decision. That's the worst um, thing you've ever done. <laughs> um, tell me about the atmosphere. Those, those 30, was it 13 balmy minutes? What, just, what, what was it like there? It's ge- I mean, it's funny, isn't it? The way atmosphere is generally always... Very good yeah. when you go to yeah. most of the matches you go to away, and it's you know, it's always pretty good, but it was ridiculous. <laughs> well, I, think, I think, on the flip side as well, what was, what was strange to me is uh, upon arrival, we thought that the whole of White Hart Lane, and I, I don't say this obviously and enjoy it at all, but it seemed very, very quiet. The, the home support seemed subdued, yeah. almost lackadaisical. And I think, I think, uh, Big Sam came out and said that he felt like Tottenham were just going to turn up to win. And actually, we kind of picked up on that on the way into yeah. the stadium, didn't we? And what I thought was brilliant about our support was that we just kept picking the team up because in the first half it was kind of it wasn't the best of games of the first half and it was kind of 50-50 as to which way it would go it felt at the time I think James didn't it yep. and to see our supporters sing their hearts out the way we did mm. it really felt like the, <laughs> the team could hear the support which sounds a bit cheesy but yeah. it actually I'm sure must lift them when you know they're playing at one of the top teams in the mm. Premier League to have that uh, you know bubbles and irons going around the yeah. stadium is fantastic mm. I feel that uh, it was you know I th- I, the, for a fact, the away fans as a whole, as a stadium, didn't all sing together until right yes. at the top of the second half, which was about 50 minutes in, yeah. when Defoe had that chance. That's the first time they properly got behind yeah, their yeah, team, yeah, yeah. and the only time, because from then on in, it was a it celebration a whitewash. Of, of football. <laughs> um, and, and talking of a football, and I've read a lot of the, I love the, the uh, when Nisa Mother Round do the sum up of other opposition's view, the opposition's yeah. view. Mm. Um, and it was—it's like watching a different match because they all slip into the park, the bus, not in, you know, yeah, long yeah, ball, yeah. blah blah blah. I tell you what, our passing at times was excellent, mm. on, and that is on. because you know I, I'm a fan of Ginge for the role he plays. But Tom, every time you see get has a ball, uh, Tompkins looks for it. Yeah, mm. uh, Reed looks for it. Even Rat and Demille get involved, yeah. and we're playing around a little bit and we're passing it around and, and we're playing from the back yeah. and it feels just... like the first time it's happened in a long time other than Cardiff yeah. Yeah. you know at home uh, when, when Tompkins is playing we play more football mm. but I thought that I thought that as well about the whole game actually because having watched the whole game I thought even though we lost I thought we were really composed yeah. and I mean, no, probably yeah, just, no. the mm. fact we went behind to a goal kind of just it messed with our our team really and, and a dodgy decision we got, yeah, yeah we got, I mean, we got a bit desperate and it kind of broke but we were playing really well so it did even though I, I thought, well, I didn't think we'd get anything, but I thought we were playing well and we could get something potentially. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm always nervous, aren't you? Because we, we, we'd, I remember away at Arsenal last season when we played excellent for the first half and it was one-one, and then we got demolished in the yeah, second yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. So there's always that yeah. nagging doubt at the back yeah. of your yeah. mind that something's going to go wrong. Yeah, and I thought that you know we outpassed them and we outfought them, and uh, massive credit to UC, which was probably. a probably a game changer when he yeah. saved from Defoe yeah. um, and from then on in it was us and we deserved it and you know the last 10 minutes it was like we might get a fourth I know yeah. <laughs> we've, been, we've actually been quite greedy yeah. by that point yeah, yeah. 
Okay, well, well we're delighted to uh, bring you now on the Knees of the Brown West Ham podcast. A proper guest um, is the press <laughs> and media manager of West Ham United. Uh, welcome to the show, Paul Stringer. Hello, hello everyone. Hello, Paul. Hey, hey, Paul. Um, so the first thing I want to ask you, obviously, you're in the press box. Uh, I, I presume you managed to contain your emotions, but what about that atmosphere on Sunday at White Hart Lane? Well, yeah, it was. Um, it's always a bit difficult for us in the press box, obviously, because uh, it's a professional environment. But um, you know, I'm a West Ham fan, as, as most of us are in, in the press team, and obviously, when you see the goals go flying in like that, it is uh, quite difficult to contain your emotions. I think the uh, the desk got punched a few times. I think we think next we got a couple of elbows in the ribs. But uh, yeah, no, it was a fantastic afternoon. I think for everyone connected with the club. But also, I mean, amongst all that chaos, you managed to still get some uh, great content, including some videos of West Ham fans going wild. Well, yeah, I mean, hopefully the, the fans have noticed we're, we're doing a few new things as a media team. We, you know, we're trying to really push social media at the moment. But I think uh, I, I have to pay tribute to uh, Arvid, our cameraman, who was sitting next to me, just to my right. And he actually got some fantastic footage of the, uh, the Claren Blue Army in full force, sort of celebrating each of the goals. And uh, you probably, hopefully, if, you, if people haven't seen it, they can go to YouTube and check out the West Ham TV channel. Um, and we've done a montage with, with commentary over the top of them celebrating all of the goals and, and uh, celebrating and singing Revel Morrison's name, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, we've got some great videos. And obviously, the, the Vines as well are proving quite popular with fans as well. I think we've got you know, a few hundred thousand views of our Vine on, uh, on uh, Saturday. So, yeah, it was really, really good. Paul, I notice when um, when the goals go in, the camera work gets a little bit shaky. Is that, <laughs> is that you jumping on him? That's probably my elbows going in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, it's great because um, you can really see, and, and obviously we're sitting there in the press box, and you can just see all the fans come piling down the aisles. And I mean, my my dad was in the away end, and he, he said he you know was just hugging all the people next to me he'd never met them before, and you know I think he ended a few rows in front of him from where he where he'd come. <laughs> Paul, so, can I ask? Uh, it's Piers here. Hi there. Can I ask, I mean, the atmosphere, we were in the away end together and it was pretty amazing. And does that come across where you were sat in, the, in amongst the home supporters, I presume? I mean... Well, yeah, I mean, our, our position, obviously, it's not just you've got to be professional because the other journalists, you know, it, it is a working environment, but you're right next to the Tottenham fans as well and actually just right behind the dugout. So you can see and hear everything that's being sort of talked about and, and the instructions to the players. So it's quite an interesting mm. uh, location for a press box. But certainly when you're in the ground, I mean, I'm obviously only really interested in what the West Ham fans are thinking. It, you know, as, as David Sullivan said in the in the letter he wrote on Monday, you know, it was like a home game, really, because the fans yeah. were were incredible from the from start to finish. And you could see they were really up for it from, from the start, even before the game kicked off, you know, in full voice. So, it was, yeah, I mean, it was fantastic atmosphere. Mm. It's funny you said about the, the rows, uh, your dad ended up in the rows in front. Where we were sat was right at the back of the upper tier and there was no seats in front of us, just a perilous drop of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> so every time we looked like we might score, it was kind of a, it was like just holding on, trying not to tumble over the edge. It was very dangerous. It was <laughs> very dangerous. I've seen some amusing comments actually uh, in relation to the video that we that we put up, like saying people saying, oh, I lost a load of skin off my leg, I've got a big bump <laughs> on my head and I've got no idea how it happened. There's, so, a, uh, there's a couple of great bits. I mean, I, I got involved with some big sweaty fat man, but uh, there's a, a great one of a big. Sounds like an interesting story. There's a great one. There's a great one of a big guy hugging a policeman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a brilliant, brilliant picture. There's a lot of fan photos. I think it's also just the contrast between the two sets of fans as well. Obviously, there's not a massive gap between them and I think it's just our guys going uh, crazy versus obviously the, the sombre atmosphere the people next to them so yeah it's mm, quite yeah. a it's one that will live long in the memory I think I'm yes. glad we, we got Fantastic. it on film to document it because even in six months time you know we can look back and reflect on what was a great day 
Yeah, I mean, on, on that note, um, so, so Paul, what kind of top level? What is your role at the club exactly? Well, well, um, I mean, I kind of oversee the the, the media operation of the club, so the, the media channels that we have, so the, the program, the website, social media, and the video output as well. Um, we work obviously with the marketing team quite closely as well, um, and then we obviously. In terms of the press side of it, we do with all the incoming inquiries from media, interview requests, uh, questions about anything going on at the club. But then also, uh, we, with the new Premier League uh, TV deal this year, we have a huge amount of commitments, contractual commitments that we have for rights holders across the globe. So we might have uh, requests coming from Russia, from Asia, from the Middle East, anywhere like that, where they're trying to, to speak to a player. And as part of the contract for the Premier League, they get to speak to a player before every single home game now. Um, and likewise with Sam, after a game on a match day, we're obviously very busy on a match day in terms of getting content out for the Hammers fans, not just the ones in the UK. You can imagine it's a really global operation now, people following us from, from all over the world. Um, so, you know, obviously the, the, the live text updates, the match reports, the tweets, the pictures, all those sorts of things. And then post-game, uh, the team as a whole, and it's obviously all just me, we're responsible for overseeing the interviews that the managers and the players do post-game. So, I mean, by the time Sam comes into his press conference, I don't know if any of you had a chance to um, come into one of our press conferences at Upton Park, but um, obviously Graham's in there and the guys from KUMB, but Sam might have done five or six or seven interviews before he gets into his press conference with rights holders and, and the radio Right, so I'd also talk to and Five Live. So it's it, you know it's a fantastic role. It's an exciting role, but it uh, it keeps you busy certainly. Yeah, and I mean, imagine if you're personally kind of overseeing those interviews that, uh, with Big Sam, you've probably heard the same thing five or six times by the time you get to a press conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when you've won, I think it's fine. And for example, at Tottenham, <laughs> normally, you know, normally I'll, I'll sort of cut the post-match press conference to about three or four minutes. But because it was such a fantastic result, and obviously mm. everyone was asking loads of questions about Ravel, we let it run on for about seven or eight minutes. So I think when you've won, it's it's a lot easier. But you know, if, if there's been an incident or if, there's, if it's a negative thing, like you haven't won or you've not played well, then it can get... I mean, I, I do feel for Sam sometimes having to repeat the same lines over and over yeah. again. And that's why you you do appreciate, you know, the journalist with a different angle or an interesting question rather than just the same old kind of uh, questions that everyone asks in each interview. Mm. Uh, you mentioned there that the club operate on loads of different kind of social platforms and mm. you've got Vine. I mean, how many are there exactly? And what, what how many kind of views and hits do you get on all those different platforms? Well, I mean, it, it really varies. I mean, we, we actually, as a club, and this is a little bit before my time arrived, came into social media quite late. Um, but we we really, really kind of ramped it up, and hopefully people have seen that over the last sort of, certainly it's the last six months, but um, a little bit long before that. So, I mean, our main two channels are obviously Facebook and, and Twitter. Um, the website, it, we're actually looking at redeveloping that and launching a new website uh, next summer for the start of the new season. And we're in talks with companies at the moment about how that's going to work. So I think what, what ultimately we want, um, and I know you know we, we do monitor the fan sites, obviously we, we do read them, and um, the mobile site at the moment isn't perhaps quite as good as it could be. So that's something we're going to look to... To, to update as well for the new season. So what what you want ultimately is is something that can be used on multiple platforms, whether that's you know the website on your PC, on your tablet, on your phone. Um, so it's constantly evolving. I think our job as a media department is to try and keep across those develop across those developments and see where we need to be going. Uh, you know where's the where's what's the next big thing and, and try and get on it as early as possible. And certainly, Vine you mentioned there is something we've seen other clubs doing and, and, we, and we've obviously picked that up and got on it as quickly as we can and um, I think we've done some fantastic work with that certainly at the game on Sunday I and mean, one of my colleagues said to me thought that was one of the best games we've ever done 
in terms of media output and what we've what we've got from the game. So, um, in terms of views and numbers, I mean, we it, it is it's, it's something we're looking to build slowly but surely. I mean, I think that the West Ham TV YouTube channel. Uh, is doing a bit of a soft launch at the moment. We haven't gone big in terms of publicising it, but I mean, I think we've had thirty thousand views of the fans' video in a day, which which is which is quite a good result. And I think the video Karen Karen Brady did of the Olympic Stadium presentation, I think, got around seventy or eighty thousand on YouTube alone. So we're getting some good numbers through, but I think there's always scope to get more. Um, but it's surprisingly, actually, Twitter was very much catching Facebook up in terms of the new likes we're getting each week, but recently. Um, Facebook has seemed to have kicked on again so you'd think that everyone who supported West Ham or liked West Ham would have already liked us on Facebook but it appears there's still thousands of fans out there who are still discovering the page so um, yeah it's, it's, it's a constantly evolving uh, area to work in it's interesting Paul, out of interest, because you're, obviously your dad's a uh, supporter in, in, in amongst the fans, do you get a lot of feedback from him? Do you kind of hear everything from, from his point of view? What do you mean in terms of what we do as a media team? No, I'm just intrigued. Is your dad ever on your back, essentially? <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. No, I mean, he, he's, no, he's very supportive. He's one of those positive West Ham fans. Yeah, he, he grew up in East, in East Ham. Um, so he's one of the positive fans, um, and he, you know, he's always telling us, "Oh, I saw that article, or I read that feature. That was an interesting thing." So, no, he's he's generally pretty supportive of what we do. We, we've we've got the fan sites for our um, constructive feedback, shall we say? So, um, <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> no, it's always it is always good reading what what people are saying. You know, I think um, I think it, you know, fan sites are a good chance for us to sort of gauge how people mm. are feeling about certain topics and things like that. So that's where we get a lot of our feedback from. Yeah, it's good to know you're listening. That's yeah. fantastic. I think I think the last six months, Paul, the the impression, uh, as you rightly say, has been fantastic. It's been greeted very positively by all mm-hmm. West Ham supporters. Yeah. I was just going to ask myself. I mean, how do you find uh, with the with the advent of social media? Has that made your job um, more difficult or more challenging uh, than before? I mean, how 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 does it feel when you've got all these questions being fired at you through Twitter, for example? <laughs> Well, I think I think as a club, I think it's a really good thing. I think our our role is to go to where the fans are. So, uh, and that's what social media is. If people are using social media for social purposes, to communicate with each other, then you know West Ham as a football club can go there and, and can speak to people whether it be Facebook or Twitter. So, I think it's great. It gives us another channel, and it, it gives us a chance to do something a little bit different. So, if we want to put, you know, Facebook, we do a photo gallery of every single game. So we give fans lots of pictures that they wouldn't necessarily be able to see on our website likewise with twitter we can do q a so i think it opens up new levels of interactivity and channels for people to get in touch with with players and the club and hopefully breaks down some of the barriers that i know people sometimes feel there are between sort of fans and players and, and those sorts of things i mean generally talking about twitter or, or social media with with players and things like that again i you know, it can sometimes present problems, as we've seen in the past. Players do occasionally get in trouble with, with social media, but I think it's actually quite a good thing. I think it gives them a chance to, again, speak to, to fans on a on a level. I think if it's used in the right way, both by supporters and by players, I think it's only a, a good thing. Um, I, I know, uh, obviously, we've got Mr Gold, our, our joint chairman, is, is on is on Twitter, and I think he, again, is, is one praise 
across the board, really, for, for the way he engages mm-hmm. with fans and speaks to them. I mean, there are some clubs where you don't even know who the owner is. So mm-hmm. the fact you've got an, uh, we've got an owner who's on there who will answer questions. I'm, I think he may have cut back a little bit on the, the ticket office number because I think... <laughs> I think- <laughs> now, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's great, and it, you know, I know he enjoys interactivity as well. I love it. Yeah, I need to change my seat from D twenty four to D twenty six. Anything at David Golden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Amazing. I, I think people may may have had the false perception that he did everything at the club, <laughs> <laughs> moving seats. Does and he not? But yeah, no, it's, it's good that he's got, they've got that option anyway. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, Paul. Thanks for shattering the illusion that David Gold does everything at the club as well. Yeah. <laughs> It's an important message yeah. we've sent out. Is he hammerhead, right? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> cheers, Paul. Thanks very much Thanks, for coming Paul. on. Cheers, Paul. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, cheers. Take it easy. So now on the on the West Ham Knees at Mother Brown podcast, we've got a very special guest for the first time, an insider inside the dressing room. He's part of a, a team that's being described as tactical geniuses. The West Ham assistant manager, Neil McDonald, welcome to the show. It's great to be and uh, it's the first ever time I've been called a genius. That's <laughs> <laughs> not the last, though. Neil. Not the last. Not the last. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully uh, not. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Neil, the first thing I wanted to ask: obviously, uh, the West West Ham uh, backroom staff are being lauded as tactical geniuses uh, for this false nine formation. Um, I just wanted you to kind of describe how exactly it works because I'm still a little bit confused. Well, how does it actually work? We uh, we we played almost like a four four two, but not to up top. We played them wide. Mm. Um, we wanted to pack the midfield because we 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 beat the sea Spurs on two occasions and they played through midfield quite easy against Swansea and Norwich. Just wanted to pack that midfield, but we wanted to have people up front that if we did it through midfield, there was always one. Not right down the middle, but just off in between the centre half and the full back that we could hit and work off, mm. and then force 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 one way upside up, up the pitch. And um, we had three really really good days of uh, preparation and working on it. The boys had we never had what complaint off the boys. Oh my goodness me, playing somebody up front because we got we had we thought we could have so much rotation with the midfield players if one midfield run forward. And would obviously be paying them if one went wide, the other one could come inside, and then they, they could just cover into the positions because there's nowhere to go because they're all midfield players, you know. So, and I th- and I thought it worked really well. It certainly frustrated them in their style of play, and um, I think the shock of playing that system took them a good half an hour to get used to it. Yeah, and um, gave us a chance to get on front foot and we played some really good. Really good stuff. Had lots of chances, which, which we have. We have all season. We've created lots of chances, but we haven't taken our chances. And I think that's one of the reasons why we haven't won as many games as what we should have done. These chances come along, and we certainly we were a little bit more clinical on Sunday, which was great. Mm. out uh, we end up winning and being worthy winners. I thought, in my opinion. Absolutely, yeah, incredible. And um, <clears throat> with this false nine, so how do you even begin to start teaching the players this this new formation? Because I heard James Tompkins say yesterday he'd never played it before. How do you introduce this to them? Well, it's just breaking it down on the on the on, on the training field, as in practices, and uh, playing against a team where uh, they're playing the ball. So we're against the seniors, we're against the development team, and hmm. uh, we try to mix and match on the defensive from what we were going to face and then obviously the attacking 
and stuff was this is how we're going to approach it. We're going to uh, go behind the fullbacks because their fullbacks pushed on. That's why we played the two. We meant to stop them coming or play the balls in behind. And we were quite comfortable letting the two centre halves have the ball because Dawson hit a bit of diagonals and uh, Vertonghen tries to play through midfield. So mm. we were ready for the diagonal. And obviously, with the only people that we had in the field, we were going to stop the through balls through the middle. So it was just. It was just trying to have the balance off each other. Who goes first? Who, who closes down first? Who makes the run first forward? And then we just encouraged the forward pass. And mm. as we made the forward pass, uh, we we squeezed up the pitch and support it. And, and we did that on the field. We also did uh, visual. Uh, we videoed on strength and weaknesses of Spurs. I could see what we were trying to explain on the pitch. On, on where the weaknesses were, and then uh, as I say, luckily it all fell out of place, and uh, everybody played well. Everybody, um, I think, in possession, out of possession, we the hardest we've worked, and the furthest we've run, and the quickest we've run, and we certainly created lots of chances. But the best thing was we put it in the back of the head, and we hadn't been doing that this season. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Would um it, when Nolan blocked Winston Reed's head on the line <laughs> at that for a split second did you think this season just isn't going to be for us? <laughs> I think I think in your luck the harder harder you work the luckier you get. So you know that's 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 our, our goal tally last season from free kicks and corners was quite high, and that that was a, a huge success for us last season. Um, we hadn't scored, so we've been putting the ball in the right area and we've been attacking the right areas. And then when it comes to Kevin, who's on the wing, you think, my goodness, it's not going to be our day. But <laughs> we had that little bit. Of, we had that little bit of luck, and um, and Winston finished off. We had a little bit of luck, although leading up to that, I played some great football and a fantastic ball through from Mark Noble for Ricardo. Yeah. So okay, tries to get the ball and it comes back hits off the thigh, but. You know, he's in the right place. He's had a really good chance and yeah. had that little bit of luck. And then the third one, we're going to get a reputation of being a, a fantastic uh, open player team if, if we're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we were just yeah. saying, Neil. We thought some of the football was uh, outstanding on Sunday. Hmm. Well, I think, I think you know, this perception of long ball is is uh, is really, really disappointing because I think the West Ham supporters over, over the two and a half years that we've we've been here we've had a fine mixture and we're trying to play winning football not yeah. just tippy-tappy football if yeah. it needs to go long it needs to go long if we need to score from free kicks we can score from free kicks and fifth players but I'll tell you what we can not play some football and, and make some chances yeah I mean, only, we... only critical side so far is we haven't been putting them chances away and being a little bit more clinical but through open play we're a good team we are a good team Definitely. and nobody gives us credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, I was just to say, at the end of the game, it looked like a great atmosphere in the stands, but uh, what was the dressing room like after the game? I imagine it was equally as good. It was buzzing. It was buzzing. Obviously, the, uh, you know, as, as Ravel scored the first goal, I've never seen a statement. He's a quick and army. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, to see to in the corner bag our supporters jumping about and really celebrating, it was fantastic. And, you know, when you find out after that we hadn't, we obviously hadn't beaten Spurs at their place in 1999, which is a long time ago there. Really pleased to come and see that uh, some really good football, score some really good goals. And then when you get back in the change room, everybody's buzzing like, you know, because we we had a game plan, a different formation, and uh, we were playing against a very, very good team. We'd only conceded two goals in, in, in like 11 games or something. I, mean, I, I was going to ask, Neil. 
think Sorry. to score three and outplay them gives everybody so much confidence and so much belief that we've got to try and take that into the next game. A formation, whatever team we play, we've got to show that some application and clinical, clinical in front of the goal, which is we can't score the goals. I mean, Neil, did you expect Spurs to react differently, um, given that, you know, it, it was pretty obvious in the stands that, that the game plan was starting to work, I think. Uh, you know, certainly by half-time, we could see how we were stifling them. Did you think they would react differently to how they did in the end? Well, I, I think there was so much to take a surprise because teams are, well, they'll three up top and three minutes the yield and they'll go five, five when they haven't got them, they'll play the ball long. We quickly shut space off and, and really you know and not be certainly critical of them but they never changed the, the style of play they still try to do the same way and mm. that was we were really pleased with that that they didn't try and change the mm. way they played mm. you know yeah. we kept it out kept it our game plan and they never changed it now obviously if when you're playing against teams if it's not working then you have to change it but we felt as though that uh, was never changed it they kept it in the same way which really into our hands yeah Absolutely. Uh, we were saying earlier that's probably the best the best result in terms of just enjoyment since we beat Chelsea at home last year. Uh, and during that game, someone on the sidelines took a tumble. I don't know if you recall I that. Yes, I, I took and broke my, my my wedding finger. Oh no, you oh. didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I broke I broke my finger, and obviously my wife's not too busy been wearing my wedding ring for about three months. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so wedding ring um, be sized again. It's Luckily, it's back on now. So, uh, Joanne, my wife, is really, really pleased with that. But, yeah, I was uh, about to give an instruction. Um, by the dugout, it was quite wet. I fell over, and I ended up doing a back somersault. <laughs> That's I right. myself on the feet. And uh, Sam was in front, obviously shouting his instructions out as well. And turned around, and obviously all the crowd are laughing. <laughs> turned around saying, what, what, the hell are, what the hell's going on behind you? Like, you know, we never said anything. So he didn't lose his concentration, and then <laughs> I thought they got away with it. But uh, uh, you know, a certain TV uh, yeah. crew do with third eye sort of thing, and uh, everybody's <laughs> seen it on YouTube and had a right good laugh, like you know. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the reaction of the bench is quite when you watch that back is quite interesting. <laughs> yes, we, uh, we always we always review the game afterwards, and um, obviously the goals that we uh, we scored were, were brilliant, and it was a fantastic second half, but. Uh, the analysts obviously uh, review the reaction of every single person on the bench when I fell over. Was oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Um, so la- last question. So big, big Sam said maybe he'd get more kind of um, recognition for his tactical genius if he was a uh, big Sam Aladici. I was just wondering, does that make you a uh, big Neil Macarazzi? Well, I'm not sure about that, but uh, I think he's got a new sign on his door. That's oh, when he uh, <laughs> when when he comes back in. <laughs> when he comes back in, it's not Mister uh, Aladice Aladici on his on his on his door, which will make him laugh when he gets back. Listen, he's he's very very good tactically. Um, mm. We 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 try and, uh, as coaches we try and we try and put on or explain to the players and trying to show the players what he actually wants and he's very good at changing things which if the game plan is not working he's very good at that and um, estimate Sam under, underestimate Sam at your peril yeah, as I'm yeah. concerned because it's very very clever Certainly trying to get the game plan sorted out and if it's not working he's very clever and changing it as well so it keeps us in the game all the time 
Neil, very quickly, sorry to uh, jump in one more question. I mean, it seems from from a, from a supporter's point of view is that the team spirit is the best it's been at West Ham for a very, very long time. Does it feel like a happy club on the training pitch? I mean, is everyone kind of excited and, you know, Nolan seems to have done a brilliant job bringing everyone together. Yeah. Does that come across as well behind the scenes? Yeah, well, well, I would like to think so. We, we try and create an atmosphere where everybody wants to come to work. When we first come to the club, I don't think that was the case. You know, obviously, when you lose everything and get relegated, then everyone starts to point the finger and it, it's not my fault, it's your fault. And not everyone's together. We've gelled everybody together. Everybody loves coming to work and um, we challenge each other all the time, not just the staff to the players, but the rest of the staff. We have to come up with things to... to um, to keep that excitement going, to, to to try and get the best out of the players, and you uh, see, create an atmosphere as a, where everybody's in it together. And I think that shows. I think we've had a couple of players come and had only been here for two or three weeks and said, "This is the best place that they've been." And they've been to some football clubs, by the way, and said, "This is the best atmosphere." Mm. Everybody mm. trusts each other. Everybody drives each other on. Everybody's critical of each other in a constructive way, not cynical. Mm. And I think that's helped for the club, not just on the back all the time. It says, listen, we're not doing this properly. We're better. You're not doing this good. Or at the same time, it's not always the negative stuff. It's saying, listen, that was fantastic. Keep that going. So there's a, a really, really good balance on on patting each other on the back and, and to get people better by, by constructive criticism or constructive information. And uh, when you get a bunch of players that were receptive to both, it, it certainly creates a great team spirit, that's for sure. And everyone likes, to be fair, everyone likes each other and everyone likes each other's company. And even the players are comfortable when the staff are in and around, you know, mm. because we, tr- we trust what they do and they trust what we do. And I think that's, I think that's yours. And it's, it's been a people that talk about that because, you know, it helps, it helps players to perform better. And uh, it certainly improves the atmosphere around the place that people can come to work. Mm. Excellent. Cheers, Neil. Thank Great you so stuff. much. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, yeah. and uh, enjoy the uh, South End game tonight. That's brilliant. No, well done no, on the win. Yeah, credit to you. Cheers, Neil. Thank you so much. See you now. Bye bye. Right. Thanks. That's great. So that was uh, Neil McDonald on the nice bloke. And West Ham podcast. Really nice, really nice Fantastic. guy. Really um, honest, and uh, I mean everything we hear about the dressing room. It, I mean, it checks out. It seems it legit. It looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks good. They all celebrate together, you know. And they all, you know, when they score, I love seeing. I love seeing a team together. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's good. And I think ever since you pointed it out this season about how we always celebrate goals together, I noticed it so much against Tottenham. Mm. That every the whole t- it was the whole team. Well, I think Chris, the stability that's come mm. with, with uh, Big Sam and, uh, and Neil is just paying dividends now. I mean, I was actually amazed this summer. I was just one day looking through you know, the managerial records and you know Big Sam is already the third longest serving manager in the it's Premier League right. already the already, third yeah. wow. if, you, if you disclassify Moyes and his move uh, this summer yep. you've got Pardew who's pointed slightly ahead of him at Newcastle and then obviously Wenger but I think that is testament to what Big Sam always said as well that you know let me get in it won't always be pretty in the first instance on occasions make ourselves hard to beat mm. and now you can see on Sunday the signs that he will attack and I think for years, you know, Bolton in the end took us apart with some great football in the end. When mm. I think back to several games at the Reebok, yeah. even Pardew's last game, yeah. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, let's have a quick word on Ravel Morrison. I mean, he is totally lighting up 
uh, West Ham games at the moment, and we, we were saying it against um, was it Cardiff at home? He, yeah. it, it's just he's such a, an exciting talent, and against uh, against Spurs, we saw one of the best goals I've seen a West Ham player score in quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, it, for me, it was just the, you know, the pace, running with the ball, the pace yeah. he had. I mean, he's got two supposed world-class defenders, mm. uh, one behind him and one in front of him, and he just went past them and ghosted past them like they weren't there. And the finish was just immaculate against the French international keepers. So, yeah, yeah. You know, what what more could you want from from a uh, nineteen or twenty? Sorry. 20 isn't he I think it's 20 a 20 year old player he's I mean, 12 <laughs> 14 he's just 12 <laughs> but that, that that to me is just a sign of how good he could become but yeah. I think that the key thing now is obviously how he's managed going forward because it's easy to say he's the next superstar um, hopefully from what Neil's just said there's yeah. a lot of good people around him but that, that's a tricky one in this day and age yeah. so, so Rio tweeted this week uh, on Monday great to see Rivero playing well and focus consistently now that goal wouldn't make his top three goals show real by the way wow yeah. Yeah, but well, I thought that even that goal he scored against Cardiff after 20, sec- 20 seconds, yeah. that was an amazing yeah, goal. The way he was. ran at them and then pulled it back and smashed it yeah, in finish. Yeah. Um, mean, so totally so it's come out this week, I think, on, on, on one of the websites, is that uh, apparently there's a £19 million clause, yeah. uh, a buyout clause, if he was to go. And he's got, that we're currently negotiating or about to start negotiating a new contract. I'm not sure if it's, you know, yeah. what's happening with that, but mm. I mean, we're going to be. Holding him down, aren't we? <laughs> Surely, it's a well, it seems yeah. like, it, and you know, it, it appears like we've got a world class player on our hands. Yeah, I mean, I, I was listening to an interview that Mike Phelan was doing, uh, the ex Man United assistant yesterday, mm. and he was saying that it's, you know, the, if if a player is world class, then then the club will find the appropriate amount of money to keep him and yep. do whatever needs to be done. And I think in the case of Ravel, everyone who's seen him play this season, even mm. though it's only a few games, would agree that whatever West Ham need to do to to keep him there for the foreseeable mm. future and make sure if he does leave, we get a good value for him, mm. yep. will be Kidnap done. Kidnap his, fam- his family <laughs> ransom. So anyway, um, it's, it's funny because they're starting to be spoken as uh, Olympic stadium players. Uh, oh, of course, and Andy Carroll, the Olympic Stadium players. That's the terminology I've noticed this week. Really? Where yeah. was that? I haven't noticed. I can't, that on one of the websites, I think it might have been a West Ham yeah. source, yeah. but Olympic Stadium players. And you know what? That must be exciting for them. They, may, they must think mm. we're, we seem to be. I mean, a week ago, it, we lost a hole, so let's not get carried away. But we've been saying consistently on this website, we're moving in the right direction, mm. uh, and that yeah. must be a bit of a carrot. The Olympic Stadium. Yeah. You know, well, it's so, going to be. Yeah. I think. I think that move. I mean, you know my feelings on this for ages. I think it's going to be overall absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. for the club. It's going to push the club in virtually every way it needs to go. I would. I would argue against anybody. And I think having players like that yeah. is befitting to the club's history as well. And hopefully, in the new stadium, we we'll start playing um, even more of that football that we yeah. located on on Sunday. Yeah, and we should also mention the, the fans. You know, because there's a cloud hanging over us after last year. Yeah. And, uh, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I could see in here, and Peter's, I think, you back me up on this. 100%. It was yeah. superb. Yeah. You know, it was all positive. It was very, there's a little bit of funny banter, calling this Spurs fans racists. Um, <laughs> all tongue in cheek, all very good fun. Uh, and it, I, I felt it was a brilliant atmosphere. Yeah, and I noticed David Sullivan sent an email out today to various West Ham fans saying, um, you know, well done, that everyone's behaviour was exemplary. It was a credit. I think that I think the fans were a credit to the team, you know, singing from the start and doing what we should be doing, which is supporting the team and giving Driving the Spurs them on. fans Driving Driving them on. On. Giving them a little bit of stick yeah. in a positive manner. <laughs> <laughs> 
Friendly manner. Your yeah. friendly manner. Um, and one of the newspapers actually said that one sentence of negativity, and I thought, I don't know where... For them to have heard that, yeah. they must have been sat in amongst us, and they're not. They're sat in their little box somewhere, so I thought... Well, know, I, think, I think West Ham's an easy job to it. point the fingers at. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think over the last ten years, there's been various examples of that. And you know, it's about time people shout about the good stuff, West Ham fans, and the yeah. club do. But obviously that doesn't necessarily make good press, as the no. old saying goes. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But well done, everyone. Yeah. Everyone listening, it was, it was, it was brilliant. Yeah. It was Abs- a joy. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on now and talk about um, a certain ex-West Ham manager who's um, getting a lot of column inches. Harry Redknapp serialising his um, new autobiography, which is called, is it Just Managing or something like that? I don't know, actually. I, think I actually have no idea what it's managing. called. <laughs> I just saw the Daily oh. Mail serial- yeah. serialisation. I think it's called, I'm not a King Wheeler Dean. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called brown paper uh, bag but in today's serialisation um, Harry Redknapp has a bit of a pop at West Ham for the way that uh, Bobby Moore was treated um, in the years before he died so uh, this is a quote from his book uh, so this is Harry Redknapp now he's dead you can't move for pictures of him around the place it disgusts me blasted Redknapp the hypocrisy that followed his tragically premature death in 1993 sickens me Bob's got it all now the old South Bank named after him at Upton Park statues outside the ground at Wembley they even use his name to sell West Ham merchandise these days more than a football club is the slogan but when he was alive they didn't want to know him I saw him get slung out of there for not having a ticket um so what would you make of all this? Well, he should have bought a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> did, he climb, did he climb in? Climb over the walls? <laughs> he did. Well, literally, I know this story. Yeah, and he did. He did. Like he knew the guy on the turnstile was just like, oh, you, you don't have to pay. I like you're Bobby Moore, I obviously. It's we. It's a well-documented fact by the present owners yeah. and by West Ham that it was he wasn't well looked after. Yeah, and they have gone a long way in my eyes to making that up. Yeah, and. I, he's just the same old story that he yeah. keeps dragging out and it is I don't find it you know the hypocrisy here is he's using this select this <laughs> yeah, etch this yeah. bit to yeah. sell his book in the Daily Mail yeah. I mean it's um, a lot of what I, he says I, is, I, is I personally feel and I'll, obviously I wasn't there either by the way <laughs> yeah. but I would imagine that there is an element of truth to that there may have been a yeah. misunderstanding back in the day but I think you know it was was Harry there at the time? Yeah. I don't know. Well, he what, said he was, in this story. He says okay. he was. Okay. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, I think. I think ultimately, it's as James says, um, an old story yeah. that's being regurgitated at the time of a, 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 another book release, yeah. which I will be buying, by the way. Yeah. No, it sounds interesting. <laughs> but I think the thing is with this, like, he's obviously he's, he's trying to have a pop at West Ham for the way he's treated. But it wasn't only. Obviously, we did a lot of research when we did that Bobby Moore special, and it wasn't only West Ham that treated him badly. It was also England. Yeah. And what I mean, what does he? It was he's football, kind of, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was, was the whole. If of we remember rightly, it was football. Yeah. And the only people who did look after him was actual David was Sullivan. The, the only people to give him a job were David Gold and David Sullivan at the the. Daily Sport, sport uh, as a chief football chief football writer, yeah. which is, I mean, which reflects well on the current owners, obviously. But um, that obviously, that, that won't. That's not a headline, is it? Yeah. For, uh... But the thing that annoys me about this was that he's saying that oh, they've got they named the stand after him at Upton Park and they named a statue after him at Wembley, and it sickens me. But what would he rather that we still ignore him? <laughs> like, so what? W- yeah. We should be consistent. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not West Ham's fault that he died prematurely in 1993, because if he was still alive now, you can guarantee he'd be club president. Yeah. And the only is that I yes. You know, we've said this before, but with Billy Bonds, you know, yeah. they're, they're doing things right now. They're kind of the people who probably have been ignored by a club. They're starting to celebrate, and, and as they should, and as yeah. us fans want them to. And it's just 
Redknapp digging out the old stories, and he, it's just what annoys me is he goes West Ham, yeah, and it's he, like a, in yeah. the current tense, yeah. Whereas West Ham in the current tense is kind of celebrating Bobby Moore, yeah, and trying to move forward in a different direction, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also and, like the England, if I was Roy Hodgson this week, I'd be spitting blood oh about the way God. he talks about him and the yeah. England job yeah yeah. but I mean there's not only that he references a lot I don't know if you've read today's serialisation but obviously there's always been rumours that he don't, he didn't get on with Trevor Brooking because mm. of, because uh, Trevor Billy Brooking Bonds. felt that he went behind Billy Bond's back this is the story and um, he refused to speak to Harry Redknapp after that and Harry Redknapp says in the book that although he kind of admits that his relationship has never been fantastic but he doesn't think uh, that Sir Trevor Brooking held him responsible uh, Sir Trevor Brooking like stopped him having that England job because of this beef with uh, Billy Bonds in the past mm. um, but he does say that he doesn't think it's fair that Sir Trevor Brooking got a knighthood but Bobby Moore didn't I, again I think that's a pass of, pass over of time isn't yeah. it I mean in yeah, 1993 did Trevor Brooking have a no and this is what Trevor Brooking said yeah. I think he, when we, we had him on this podcast and he said well Bobby Moore would have got it in time it's just that exactly. football was changing when he died and he, he wasn't mm. there when it the, when the rewards started coming back into I mean, things. you know, it's so long ago now when, when, when Bobby Moore died, there wasn't even all seat at the stadium. That's how long ago mm. we're talking. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a long, long time ago and the game has changed so much since. Yeah. Okay, so obviously there's no match this week uh, given the England qualifiers. So let's just do some predictions about those England qualifiers. What is it? Montenegro on Friday and. Poland. Poland. My only, my only real. I mean, I'm at both the matches and I'm quite looking forward yeah. to it. Mm. Uh, but my only thought on the whole England situation at the minute is now Ravel's been called up to under 21s. Please don't get injured. <laughs> Please. Don't even say it. <laughs> no, but that's what happens at England. Yeah. Now I'd rather our players actually aren't called up because it's, it's yeah. such bad luck. <laughs> I was uh, thinking. Metatarsal or some new bone that they make up. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking if the Spurs game had come before the England squads were named, mm. I bet you Ravel would be in the full squad. Yeah, because he's been. I think he's he's so close at the moment. And in mm. terms of that player who can beat people, I mean, who England got apart from Theo Walcott? And he's got not got that final ball that um, yeah. that Ravel's got clearly. Yeah, right. And Ravel goes right down the middle. Yeah, he? that's yeah. the beauty of him. Yeah. He doesn't need to go anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Piers, are we going to qualify for the World Cup? Yes, I think we're going to yeah. qualify. I think I think uh, Poland is always a tricky one. You know, we know that. But yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I would say yes. You've got to say yes, haven't you? Yeah, I think we will. Although yeah. last week I said Spurs would beat us, so maybe I should go against it. <laughs> well, I don't think we will. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so concludes a really positive episode of the Knees and yes. West Ham podcast Lovely. Um, let, we could have a quick word on City coming up after that yeah. uh, so we're flying high do we think do we think that will follow through to City uh, I don't think it will be as easy for City as they think yeah and I'm City are kind of, they're not having a great time of it at the moment mm. and we're flying high hopefully every team is beatable this Premier yeah, League yeah, isn't it it's that's, yeah. that's what my, so who knows yeah. I also would just like to say I think Downing showed real signs the first time I know he's been injured at the start of this year yes. but in the second half particularly the way he was supporting and, and getting involved I think he's one to watch next weekend yeah Interesting. Well, Piers, thanks very much for making your debut. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Cheers, Chris. And James. What treats? What treats? <laughs> Let's just remind ourselves of the score. Tottenham Hotspur, nil. West Ham United, three. Three. Come on, your hands. Come on, your hands. Uh, thanks very much for listening. You can follow James on Twitter on Long As One. You can follow the mysterious editor of... Ne- I've got to stop calling him that. I call him that every week. Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. Graham <laughs> Howlett. On uh, K-U-M-B-D-O-T-C-O-M. Boba Fett. <laughs> Boba Fett himself. Uh, you can follow myself, Chris Skull, on uh, CJ Skull, Skull with a C, on Twitter. You can also join the Knees Up Mother Brown Facebook 
Facebook group, which is excellent. Also, you can go on the forums and uh, join in the general discussion there, all things West Ham. And why not subscribe to this podcast via iTunes or even just leave a comment saying how great it is, especially in light of this magnificent victory we had last weekend, yeah. which the final score was Tottenham Hotspur nil, West Ham United 3. So thanks very much for listening. Uh Yes. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say Piers' Twitter as well. Oh, yeah, Piers. Oh, yeah. If, any, if anyone cares to follow, yeah. at piersweed.com. Piersweed.com. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Granddad no, in the corner. It's too late. We've got to stop there. <laughs> so, Pier, at Piers Reed. R-E-A-D. Yeah. R-E-A-D. Don't sell us so aggressively. <laughs> um, so, thanks very much for listening. been a good week to be a West Ham fan. It's been a great week. Fantastic. <laughs> See you next week. Come on, you eyes. Come on, you eyes. Come on, you eyes.